I just got around yesterday to seeing the end of Saturday Night Live. Did you see Adam Sandler's tribute to Chris Farley? Holy cow, is that powerful. I think he does that on his tour, doesn't he? Because my daughter showed that to me like six months ago. Oh, I really? Think. Yeah, he yeah. put out a, he, And I had the same reaction, by the way. It's, it's both it's hilarious and incredibly moving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on his Netflix stand-up special, he has that song on it. So that's yeah. something he's been doing for a I saw bit. him on, uh, he was on then, uh, Jimmy Fallon or something talking about how hard it was to get through it. And he, he barely makes it through it oh. on Saturday. Night Live, Boy, yeah. but it's really good. It's got some nasty language in it and some troubling imagery, but... <laughs> I hate to hear that. S- speaking of troubling, here they come around the turn, and San Francisco wins the Insane City Derby. Wait a moment! We have an appeal! San Francisco may have jostled Seattle, and Seattle may have won the Insane City Derby. A couple of tales from the Northwest coming up that will convince you that that wonderful town needs serious mental health help. Awesome. So, uh, who is this guy? Who is he talking to, Sean? So, this is, uh, um, how do you pronounce it? Mache Siglovsky. He is the founder of Pinboard, which is a social uh, networking kind of bookmarking site, essentially. That you don't need to know hmm. much more than that. But he, he's, There is a, an exactly 50% chance... Sean made that up. He could have. And 50%, it's real, and I have no idea no, you, which. You certainly could have made Pinboard. it up. board. He's a tech insider, in theory. Yeah, this this company is rather large. He he has some knowledge of, of kind of the Silicon every Valley t- and the tech stuff. Every time I hear about one of these companies that I previously had never heard the name of in my Face life. Street. Yeah, is worth $8 billion, right. and the two guys who started it are now gazillionaires. Right. And you you know you don't and, even know what they do. And he was talking, I believe it was in a financing hearing committee, something in front of a bunch of senators talking about the tech industry. Here you go. I worry that we're in the same position as the nuclear industry was in the early '50s. We have an amazing new technology with real potential, but we are not being honest about the risks and our incapacity to store a wasteful and harmful byproduct. The pattern that I've seen in my industry is one of deceit. We're not honest about what we collect. He goes on and on about how they have been uh, dishonestly collecting your information and selling it mm-hmm. for years, are continuing to do it. All the plans are to continue to do it. Right. <laughs> they knew they were doing it. It was an accident. It was, mm-hmm. it was on purpose. Right. And, uh, and there was also a, one of your ancient, uh, ancient Congress people ask him about the user agreements. What, what about... You know, putting them in in English so that we can understand what we're signing. And this guy said, "Well, if you if you put it if you made it short and put it in English, it would just say we're taking your information and selling it. <laughs> That's just what it would say, uh, right? Do you agree or not? And what's absolutely precious about your Mark Berserkerberg or or uh, Sundar Pichai, the, the Google guy? Mm-hmm. Or- uh, what's hilarious about them is they it's as if a a farmer with a hundred thousand acres in uh, Iowa gets up on a stage and says. Yes, we have determined that we accidentally grew some corn and uh, and sold it. No, 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 no. That's why you do everything you do, is to collect that data and sell it to people. Don't pretend that corn came out of nowhere. You're you're just really in the business of plowing fields. You just really enjoy a furrow. You know, come on. 
God, I was I was buying a T-shirt the other day off of some innocuous site of something I'm a fan of, but but to buy the T-shirt you need to, to log into their site, and there was an agreement for that, right. and then so I I went into the agreement just a little bit. I wasn't going to read the whole thing. It was you know it would take me an hour, but there was enough there that I could see. Okay, I'm turning over all the information you can gather from my phone if I buy a T-shirt. I'm not going to do it. Right, but. But you're in that position all the time. And I'll bet that company doesn't even know it. I'll bet they don't even know that to buy one of their T-shirts, I have to agree to the, the, the website people they're using to turn over all the information on my computer. I'm sure there are listeners shouting at the radios right now because they know exactly how this stuff works. Please email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, uh, because I have a strong feeling, and it seems to me I've heard this from one of our tech-savvy, tech I mean really tech-savvy listeners, that company A will hire tech firm B to handle all of their sure. web commerce and the rest of it, and company B is just doing that, like the farmer for the purpose of, you know, mining data. Yeah. They don't, you know, they, by the way, they also get a, a little money out of facilitating web uh, commerce, but their real purpose is, is selling the data. Company A, though, just wants to sell T-shirts to their fans. Right. And until now, they didn't get blowback, I don't think, from their customers because of the scam Company B is running. I call it a scam. It's out in the open if you read the entire agreement. Um, and and understand what it means, but yeah, I think I think we're getting hip to that. There's got to be the companies need to emerge that say, look, we'll create a way for you to sell T-shirts, and we're not going to steal information, right? And I suppose you'd have to charge more because you don't have another product, a secret product. Yeah, but I bet it wouldn't be a ton. It wouldn't be a ton. No, I, I, uh, a ton is probably we're talking about money, so I suppose it's poor. Uh, uh, anyway, I weigh my money to determine how much I have. Do you? Yeah, you don't do it that way. Uh, that's funny. How do anyway, you, I have four pounds in savings. How do you differentiate four pounds between, six ounces? Uh, never mind. <laughs> so it, this is you know, I don't know why it's an it's an exercise, a mental exercise. I have many many times tried to noodle through how to get away with a crime. I have no desire nor intention to commit a crime. What sort of crime? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Um, murder, 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 most foul. Uh, to begin with, if bank when, robbery. If you walk into a bank and you don't immediately assess and case the joint, <laughs> then we can't be friends, right? <laughs> Armored car robbery, uh, all sorts of them. Copyright infringement. You know, I I wasn't. I don't do most of, but I have. <laughs> Michael, I have done the armored car treasure. one. I have done the armored car one sure. where it pulls out in front of the grocery store as I'm walking in and thinking. I wonder if you knew what time it came every day, and you waited. <laughs> Created a distraction. Now, the one dude inside has a gun, but... And I have no intention right. of doing it. None! Right. This guy yeah. seems to have a cigarette habit. I wonder if I can use that. As a matter of fact, if the guy said to me, I really got to use the John, could you just watch this truck for a while, and he went inside, I still wouldn't steal anything. Well, I have no interest in stealing anything, but I still noodle it through. You got to get a job at the company. It's got to be an inside job. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been done more than once. You were hunting the most interesting game of all, man. <laughs> I thought I was robbing a, a car, a armored car <laughs> truck. Uh, but uh, so anyway, and you know, I really want to get to the Seattle is insane stories, but uh, here's another one. Perfect one. Guy and his wife fakes his death, faking your death and disappearing. Another, let's see, first I would, you know? That one I've noodled through quite a bit, actually. Yeah, you gotta... And always come down to, I couldn't do that to my family. 
Right. Well, in this case, it was him and her, and they pulled it on their two grown sons. Oof. So, body found. <laughs> That's Authorities rough. see that hasn't been beaten, shot. There's no, no noticeable trauma. Body already decomposing right here by the road. That's odd. So they took it to the the, the morgue, and they, they, the medical examiner determines the man died of a heart attack. He was found in the bushes, um, and he was carrying this guy's passport, among other identifying documents. And uh, and his wife, it's actually, I think, his ex-wife, um, hops on a plane, goes to where the body is, uh, confirms, yeah, that's my ex-husband. And yeah, let's cremate him. And uh, let's he do always it. carried his passport when he hiked. That <laughs> was a charming thing about him. <laughs> yeah, that's him. And let's let's uh, let's burn him up early fast. Let's now. Uh, cremate a... him uh, today. Per Did his he have wishes. Any openings today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and per his wishes, was to be cremated immediately. <laughs> right. I mean now. <laughs> so she arranges uh, his funeral at this nice cemetery in Minneapolis. Attended widely by the extended family, and, and they're of Russian heritage, Russian communities there. A, a bunch of people knew him very well. Um, but it didn't take too long, I guess, for the, the oldest son to discover that um, uh, that uh, dad had faked it all for uh, insurance purposes. $2 million life insurance purposes. Um, turns out his father was living large and under a fake name in Moldova and Ukraine. And his ex-wife was in on it and got a cut. Wow. Wow, a nice family. <laughs> the big question here, though, is who who was the dead person? Where'd they get the body? Well, the thing got burned up. Is the, well, the, the they, poor did, fella got burned up. Did they snuff somebody? Or? Uh, that's not clear to me. See, that's the catch. Yeah, nobody's nobody's talking. They just stumbled across it like a stand-by-me style, and they said, wait, let's not alert the authorities. I know what we should do. Yeah, that that could happen. Well, yeah, and and they they found the body in the old country, so I don't know, you know, how how advanced their like uh, police force and their morgues are and the rest of it, and whether you could go in and say to your your second cousin, "Hey, dude, listen, I'd like to buy a body. I'll give you a hundred bucks. I need you to keep your mouth shut. Seriously." I said, hundred bucks, sure. You pick pick which whatever one looks best to you. You got one about my size, <laughs> then you shop. Uh yeah, faking your own death. That's a good one right there. I'd yeah. blow it by tweeting something like a week after. Oh, dang it, I shouldn't have done that. I needed to switch accounts. Ah. <laughs> What's wrong with Seattle next on the Armstrong and Getty show? Armstrong and Getty. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to Bloomberg, Apple has begun testing a new feature that would allow users to swipe across letters on the keyboard in one singular motion to type out words. It's really helpful when you're trying to type out words like QWERTY or ASTROVIGILE. I don't understand how that would work or help, but... I've seen phones that do this, and it seems like witchcraft. Mmm. Mmm. I'm against witchcraft. (laughs) 
So, a uh, couple of stories from beautiful Washington State. <clears throat> First one, very, very serious. Story got a fair amount of attention a year ago. Uh, a year ago in Seattle, a man living in a city-funded homeless encampment raped a woman in the bathroom of a Volkswagen dealership in the city's Ballard neighborhood, for those who uh, know Seattle. This Christopher Teal... Christopher Teal arrived from Texas as a transient, was evading multiple warrants, but the city-sanctioned encampment welcomed him without conducting a criminal background check. Now, the story caused quite a sensation, wide media coverage, public demands for increased security measures, but the crime victim remained silent and her identity was kept secret, appropriately enough. Nearly a year later, she contacted this filmmaker, Christopher Rufo, um, and this is why... Uh, After being raped, she approached city leaders and met with the sitting councilman for nearly an hour, but was received, she says, with dismissiveness. Teal, that's the homeless rapist, uh, bum, junkie, piece of waste of human skin, his crime against her did not fit the preferred narrative of the compassion for the homeless, so the political class downplayed it. And she said, okay, then I'm speaking out. Here's a little more. And she walks, she says, the, the, or he, the filmmaker, says it was the most wrenching thing he's ever done. She walked me through the details of the attack, her deep frustrations with city leadership that created the conditions for the crime to occur. Um, and, uh, and she spoke out about it, and, and it was the lead story for quite a while, and some stuff was done, which is good. And the Seattle mayor, Jenny Durkin, who's a nut, condemned the assault and comment, commended the courage of a survivor of sexual violence to speak out. Then came the backlash. Progressive activists launched a counterattack against Lindsay, the rape victim, on social media. Local journalist Erica Barnett claimed that the story drew attention because Lindsay is an attractive blonde woman and dismissed the victim's, quote, many tears as theatrics serving a false narrative that the homeless represented danger to the community. Wow, this is that weird ranking of victims thing, because we're in the Me Too movement where uh, if if somebody said something wrong to you, you get to be on TV in tears. And ruin them and take away their right to make a living, and right? We, and then we take it seriously. But in this case, there was a homeless person, so they rank above the Me Too crowd. Violently rapes her in a bathroom, but right. So you dismiss an, dismiss an actual rape victim. Right. And, and in fact, in favor of the homeless you person. make her the bad guy in this scenario. Listen to this. This Erica Barnett demanded that the media temper its reporting and be mindful that graphic descriptions of violent rape may be triggering for survivors. So, in other words, shut up. Barnett's message was amplified on left-wing Twitter. Councilwoman Lorena Gonzalez, another lunatic, claimed that Lindsay's story would create fear and cause harm to community communities, quote, that may already be triggered. Understand, these people are out of their minds, and they're teaching our kids in a lot of colleges, too, which is sickening. Their view of the world is so sick and twisted. It's, it's difficult to believe that it's real, but it is real. And take note, especially urban dwellers and suburban dwellers, you're next, and soon it'll be the exurbs and then the rural areas. The truly enlightened are placing their egos, because this is not about the real victims, because a lot of their policies don't help. In fact, they do the opposite, but it's about their egos, because their policies make them feel enlightened. 
So they're putting their egos in front of your safety, your health, and your quality of living as decent, hardworking taxpayers. There's your progressives for you. And I'm not talking about your, you know, left-leaning normal people. Fine, you get to believe what you believe. You want more people to be on welfare? Fine, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the real lunatics. Michael, little transition music, please. Do you have that available? It's sickening, though. <laughs> Boy, this does erase your mind. <sighs> I tell you what, you play this at the ISIS guys, they'll tell you everything they know. All right, make it stop, please. We never get to the chorus. Speaking of Washington State, why don't you cue up the chorus, Michael, for Sean? Uh, (laughs) Speaking of Washington State, a Washington bill would allow the composting of human remains. You. Right now in Washington, like virtually everywhere, everywhere, you can be cremated or buried, but... Where's Grandma? We put her in the trash compactor. According to State Senator Jamie Peterson's bill, the bill gives people a third option, recomposition. The process of recomposition or composting turns dead bodies into soil, a practice colloquially known, colloquially known, that is a hard word to say, as human composting. According to the bill's language, this is the practice of contained, accelerated conversion of human remains to soil. So now you put granny out back. In the garden. Right. Grow lovely tomatoes. With uh, the leaves you raked up and like your old uh, your food scraps and the rest of it. Something about heirloom tomatoes grown with granny's remains that just... Uh... That makes them all the more delicious, doesn't uh-huh. it? There's a little bit of granny in every bite. Literally. Ooh, jeez. Uh, it's about time we applied some technology to be applied to this universal human experience. Awesome. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Democrats decry a constitutional crisis in the battle over the yes, Mueller report. constitutional crisis. Honoring the heroes, ignoring the villains in the Colorado school shooting, and hidden cameras in Airbnbs. Uh-oh. Fantastic. Oh, boy. If you really want to look at me, just let me know. <laughs> We've turned the tide on school shootings. I really think it's happened. Yes, finally. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. It's a cultural thing that these school shootings started happening. It's going to be a cultural thing that ends it, and I think maybe we've turned the tide. I think it's the early days, but yeah, there's real reason for hope. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the message is plain. Honor the heroes, not the shooters. Colorado DA George Bochler talking about the charter school attack by two students that killed one and injured seven others. He is urging everyone to take a no-notoriety approach. Now, the Let main move past no, focusing on the identity of the suspects and their images and focus instead on the innocent victims and on this crime and the investigation itself. And the heroes who tried to intercede. Now, the mainstream media is doing what they've always done in the same way they've always done it right now. Right. But the wind has shifted. You now have the cops. It's one of the first things they say, because they know, they get it, like our panel of mental health experts, 100% with certainty and vehemence, yes, the media creates these shooters in in large measure. Right. So now you won't get attention, or as much attention. We don't care what your manifesto is. We We seriously do not care what your list of gripes is. And as soon as you open fire, a couple of guys are going to run at you and beat the crap out of you, or girls in this case, um... A woman did at this school. Uh, 
you know, some people may die, but people are willing to do that. So hopefully the you scumbag losers out there who thought you're going to shoot up a place and become famous for how many people you killed, right. that ain't going to happen anymore. Yeah, according to NBC News, the young man killed in the attack was a guy named Kendrick Castillo. Reports say Castillo died a hero in engaging the shooters. He and two other students managed to get the weapons out of the hands of the shooters before anyone else got hurt. So, Kendrick Castillo. The fight over the Mueller report moving to the House Judiciary Committee. Chairman Jerry Nadler saying there's a constitutional crisis now after the Justice Department said the White House would invoke executive privilege to block the release of special counsel Robert Mueller's full Russia report. This decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress constitutionally mandated duties. Committee's gonna- I heard Jerry go Nadler on the, uh, the uh, CNN this morning. He was uh, more or less saying the same thing and demanding the full release of the Mueller report. And because CNN is in the tank and embarrassing... Uh, and it's in, it, they're either incompetent or so wildly biased that it leads to incompetence. They didn't ask him, well, the attorney general is bound by federal law, which says you can't release the proceedings of a grand jury without a court order. Are you saying the attorney general ought to violate federal law? Nobody ever asks him that. It's just, well, I don't know. What is a constitutional crisis? Define that for me. I, I hear that thrown around a lot. It, it's like a fascist, Jack, or... Or uh, a uh, you know what's the uh, Nazi? You just uh, you just say that if you want to get people's attention. If everything is a constitutional crisis, and it is apparently nothing is. I'll tell you this though: as a guy who believes the executive branch uh, branch has grown way too powerful, the last four I say this well, yeah, definitely the last four administrations, and I say this without fear of contradiction. Each one has become more secretive. Uh, less open with the American people and the American press, and less cooperative with Congress. Now, part of that is Congress has gotten more and more aggressive about trying to bring down the executive branch if it's the opposite party over offenses real or imagined. But, yeah, the constitutional relationship between the branches is getting less cooperative. Right now, we got many schools in Portland and all across Oregon closing down because of a teacher walkout. The teachers' unions protesting over school funding. So this is apparently a fairly widespread walkout going on right now. And Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar says drug makers are soon going to have to reveal the prices of their prescription medicines in TV ads. Hmm. The Trump administration is going to issue the final regulations today requiring the companies to disclose list prices of medications costing more than $35 for a month's supply. I'm told that the problem with this, though, is that nobody pays that price. It's <sighs> like the rack rate in a hotel. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I don't know what that would do. And so, even people who are like totally anti big pharma say no, this will create more confusion than than good information. I unfortunately buy so many medicines. My son has probably been on thirty medicines in the right. last two years that I've gone to the pharmacy to pick up, mm. and I never have the slightest idea when I pick it up if it's going to cost me seventy five cents or seven hundred dollars. I never yeah, have right. the slightest idea until they tell me this wow. one uh, you owe a dollar forty two. So I rummaged around my pocket. This one's $68. Okay. 
And, and, <laughs> and I don't right. have any idea if across town it would be cheaper or if there's a cheaper alternative. Or, or who's or, getting the money. Or sometimes the, the liquid version of it's $20 and the pill version of it's 80 but nobody tells you that unless you dig into it. And It's, just, right. it's just such a mess. And my friends, if you use Airbnb when you go on vacation, do you ever worry about hidden cameras? A new survey found that if you've been dismissing the stories about the cameras as rare cases, you might want to think again. Survey of more than 2,000 Airbnb customers from Investment Property Exchange Services found 11% of them said they'd found a hidden camera in their host's home. (laughs) And while just over 1 in 10 have found a hidden camera, a majority of 58% say they now worry about it. This reminds me of the the tech giants. You want to see this? Go ahead. Film it all you want. Whoa! What is seen can't be unseen. <laughs> you want some more? No. no. Unplug the camera. Unplug the camera. <laughs> I, it reminds me of the tech giants we were talking about before that, uh, yeah, we accidentally uh, harvested and sold the data. We'll uh, get to the bottom of that. When that's the only reason they exist is to do that. These Airbnb purveyors. They do it so they can video people. That's why they've gotten on the website, <laughs> wow. clearly. And wow. if it's anywhere near 10%, I mean, obviously, there's an issue there. And then do they try to choose uh, more attractive people to uh, rent out their homes to? I have no idea. I I I'm just bet, hearing this now, Jack. I don't know. Do you? <laughs> You seem to be in the know on this. As I've said, uh, nobody's going to come rent my home unless they want to live in squalor. <laughs> Find out what it's like to live in squalor. Rent my home for a weekend. It's kind of like ecotourism in a way. It's, uh, but I'm, I'm assuming if you put the cameras yeah. in the, if you get into the Airbnb thing on purpose because you want to film yeah. people, yeah. you'd choose mostly young couples, wouldn't you? Sure, or that tends to be who uses Airbnb anyway, so you just, you know, not everybody is, is going to be a, a top prospect, but, you know, you sort through the bad ones, you get to the good ones. I figure out As where, a perv. I figure out where the camera is when I'm staying there. Oh, oh I'm going to give you something to see. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez. Now, I must point out, official Airbnb policy bans hidden cameras in private spaces really? like bedrooms and bathrooms. Oh, good. No that's kidding. A, that's good policy. <laughs> oh, they, they ban it, you say. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> that's our official policy. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I'm telling you, there's more weirdos out there than you could possibly imagine. Apparently, and a lot of it around the world of uh, sex. Yeah. Yeah, there are all sorts of kinds of strange, but uh, yeah, that that seems to be a big one. Being in the public eye now for quite a few years, we've become acutely aware that there are more strange rangers than than you'd think in regular life. Um, People who work in emergency room, cops, you know, that sort of people, they know it already. But uh, yeah, it's become infinitely clear that uh, you really should be armed at all times. We're going to talk to our and old cover uh, your genitals, no matter where you are. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk to our old friend Jeff Fowler coming up. Um, he's a tech guy, and we've talked to him about a lot of fun things over the years. But turns out Alexa has been eavesdropping on you this whole time. He got the info on what the, his Alexa had learned about him, and it's, it's pretty amazing. If you own one of these devices, you should stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
because he's dying. Okay, gotcha. Our guest has a bad cold, and if he pauses, it's because he's dying. So we're supposed to keep that in mind. The fabulous Jeffrey Jeffrey Fowler of the Washington Post, he writes their uh, tech column, has a rhino virus, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) Jeffrey, welcome nonetheless. Sorry to hear you're feeling down. Thanks for having me. I'm always... uh feel better when I talk to you guys. You're or very, worse? You're I, very I kind. Better. Hey, your, uh, your piece on Alexa, Amazon's various Echo devices listening in, is amazing. It is a blockbuster. Where do we begin? I thought it only listened when we said Alexa and woke it up and asked it to play the old 97s. Well, it turns out that Alexa listens lots of times. And I think the big thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that Amazon keeps recordings of every time one of these Echo speakers or another device with Alexa in it, every time the the microphone fires up and it stores those indefinitely. So what I did is I went through, I've had these devices in my life for the last four years. So I went through my archive, four years of snippets of me saying, you know, Alexa, set a spaghetti timer. Alexa, make a fart noise. (laughs) Alexa, um, you know, tell me the weather. And I listened to what was there. And I found thousands and thousands and thousands of fragments of my life, some of which are, you know, totally, under, you know, you'd expect, and others of which really surprised me, including dozens of times when the thing just went off on its own because it went rogue. And it recorded, when it, when it went rogue, it recorded, you know, my family talking about medication. It recorded uh, random episodes of Downton Abbey. It recorded um, even a friend who was sitting on my couch next to the speaker uh, working on a business deal. It recorded her um, uh, talking about that, too. So the, the big picture here is that we don't really have a handle on when these things are recording in the way that Amazon wants us to think. And meanwhile, Amazon is doing this crazy thing of keeping all these recordings uh, anyway into perpetuity. What's the rationale for keeping the stuff? You know, I think uh, in a lot of cases, and this applies uh, across the board in Silicon Valley, these companies want to take data. They want to take our voices and a lot of other data about things going on in our homes, too, uh, because they can. There aren't really any laws against it. There aren't really any industry best practices that people are following. Um, So they're doing it in the hopes that maybe they'll be able to benefit from it in the future. When you ask these companies directly, they say, oh, Uh, specifically with the voice, it's to better train our voice algorithm so that we understand more accurate. Of course, exactly. And and more different things. But you know what? That's that's actually a false choice. One of the things I discovered in reporting this is that um, Amazon's arch rival, Google, uh, last year stopped automatically keeping these recordings. Google said, you know what? We actually don't need this data to make Assistant work better. And arguably, Assistant is better than Alexa in many ways. So um, Amazon right now is giving its customers really a false false choice between privacy and, and function. How did you get access to this stuff? And I f- think of that because my son has his Alexa in his room. And, uh, you know, I don't have a way to check the search history like I do on a computer. It'd be kind of interesting to hear what all things he's asked mm. Alexa to do on his own. Here's the crazy part. You do have access to it. Okay. I think just most people don't realize it. Right. If you've got the Alexa app or you go to a web browser and you pull up um, your Alexa privacy settings, and I've got links and instructions on how to do all this stuff in my uh, Washington Post column. And we will have uh, a link to your fabulous piece at armstrongandgetty.com. Go on, please. Cool. You can go through and, um, and listen to the recordings. They also Amazon also gives you the power to delete those recordings, but you can't tell it to stop recording again in the future. 
Well, I always say delete the stuff you've got. That is really interesting. I am not going to tell my son that I have access to everything <laughs> that he searches on for the rest of his life. So, uh, but that's Je- cool. Jeffrey Fowler is the Washington Post technology columnist. Jeff, we ever tell you about the time I discovered that uh, I could see what windows my or tabs my son had open on his uh, iPhone? I could see his searches on the internet. Oh, and I called him he's on the co- air and told him. And he's a college kid. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, at the time he was yeah young college man. That was a college boy's search history. But then it occurred to me he could see mine as well, and it's it was hard to say which one of us was more horrified. Yeah. But you know, this is a really good example of this moment we're in with technology, right? We love the conveniences and the capabilities of these things, but we haven't really figured out in our minds the right way to think about how they're following us and who all might get to hear or see or look at what we're doing. Well, if we we always assume the worst, we'd be pretty close to right, wouldn't we? Well, then we'd all have to live in in a, you know, in a bunker underground. uh, Well, well, you just have to to accept it. But if you assume they're listening and cataloging it and or or taking your information and selling it, it's almost always the case. Well, here's the thing. I'm a tech optimist. I actually think that data can make our homes run better, more efficiently, more power efficient. I think having a voice assistant, uh, you know, a computer that's around you all the time, kind of like on Star Trek, I think that's actually a really useful thing. I think just that these companies right now are so used to doing like Facebook was able to do and get away with murder that they're just going on these wild data grabs to, to collect all this information, and they shouldn't. And we need to kind of have, you know, we need to revolt as consumers and say, this isn't right. So we need to make different choices in the case of, of voice assistants. You, you have choices with Google or Apple. Um, and we need to then maybe think about laws that uh, you know stop some of this. In fact, California right now, the assembly is debating a bill that would stop Amazon from keeping all those recordings automatically. They'd have to get our permission before they do it. Well, they should. It's like the Wild West of technology. That was ironic. I'm going to run for Congress. Just like to <laughs> spout cliches to stay in practice sometimes. Hey, one thing you point out in your piece, Jeffrey, is that um, it's it's far from just the Amazon Echo or whatever. We're all being encouraged to surround ourselves with that sort of device: smart doorbells, security cameras, all sorts. That's all refrigerators, for God's sake. Yeah, totally. This is where the real Wild West comes in. Because again, I'm a tech columnist. It's my job to try all this new stuff and live with it, and report back from the future about what it's all like. And what I discovered when I went down the same path, same rabbit hole of trying to figure out, well, what data were were those things collecting? Uh, What I found is that um, most of them were keeping the data about what's going on in my home indefinitely. So, for example, uh, I have a Nest thermostat. Well, it turns out the Nest thermostat checks back in with its maker, which is Google, every 15 minutes and reports not only the temperature in your house, but also whether a human being walked in front of the thermostat during that period. So going back in, for years and years and years, Google knows every time I get up for a midnight snack. Because That's it knows weird. that I passed by the thermostat. That's weird. That's yeah. freaky. I'm not that, sure it matters, but I think it probably does. Back to That's the, just the thermostat. Yeah, back yeah. Back to the Amazon thing. Did you see any rhyme and rhyme or reason to when it switched on and started recording like your friend talking about business or you talking about medicine? It was really weird. I could not figure it out. It just seemed like sometimes there are things that that, that, that set it off to go, to go rogue. Now, Amazon told me that they have improved um, the, the accuracy of the wake word Alexa by 50% in the last year. Um, I have no way to verify whether that's true, but they say that they're, they're working on it. Um, but the, the, the other element of this 
that I think has gotten a lot of people going, you know, with their eyebrows really up, is we learned in the last month as well that Amazon has employees who actually listen to some of these recordings. Can they switch it on? Could, could, a, could an Amazon employee figure out, hey, Jack Armstrong's got one of these things. I want to see what he's doing in the afternoon and flip it on. Do you think they have access to do that? I think doing that remotely would be difficult, uh, but uh, I, I have not seen any evidence that it has happened, but but it could. Uh, in, in theory, anything that's connected to the Internet could be. Um, but, uh, you know, Amazon has until now sort of rested on the, 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 the argument that, look, we've got a button on the top of this thing that you can press, and it turns the little light ring red, and that means we're not recording anymore. Mm. As far as I understand, that still does work. But, of course, like, that kills the function of the device. So, again, we're given this sort of false right. choice. Yeah, it's a like, paperweight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like the, if you're bothered by it, don't use Google. Well, that's pretty unrealistic. Um, right. uh, so you, you write for the Washington Post, which is owned by the guy who owns Amazon. Do you get any pushback on any of this stuff? Absolutely not. Uh, I review all uh, technology with the same uh, critical and uh, often snarky eye. Often. You know, we, awesome. well, we barely have 40 seconds for this, Jeffrey, but what do you think of Google's uh, big to-do yesterday? Yeah, it was Google I.O. That's their big annual conference. Um, two thoughts. One, you know, going to these things and, and, and hearing Google talk about all their fancy new products, you'd never know they were an advertising company. Uh-huh. It makes all of its money based on, you know, mining our data to try to sell us ads. They didn't bring that up at all. Um, really? They talked to, yep. They talked a lot about privacy, though, and they said that essentially in certain ways they've got religion on it and they're working on things to – to you know, do processing on devices instead of in their servers. So um, clearly, the message is out to Silicon Valley that like we're not happy about the state of things. We'll we'll uh, assume you're lying till further notice. Google Jeffrey <laughs> Fowler, the Washington Post tech columnist. We have a link to his great piece at ArmstrongandGetty.com, which has a link to uh, listen to what uh, Alexa's been listening to in your home. Jeffrey, you, you thanks are, a million. You are so good. Terrific. Nice job. Thanks. Hey, by the way, we got one of our favorite tax guys, Stephen Moskowitz, to talk about Trump's tax situation right later in the show. And what he says will shock you. And run counter to what you're seeing in all the cable news shows. That's uh, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.